Welcome to Bring, Bring Your Own, Own Popcorn, Popcorn, a podcast about movies. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire. What we lack in education, we make up for with rants, raves, and rambles. In today's episode, we will be discussing Oscars, the Grouch, the Academy in a post-Oscars-so-white world. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty. With me today is returning guest producer Cordovatron and fresh wife Katie Cordova. Hi. I'm sorry. Just think fresh wife is a really fresh good like. Wife. Freshly minted. <laughs> a year? Has it been a year Almost. now? Uh, April 14th. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. High fives all around. Uh, so we're going to start out this episode with a um, competitive game, because yes. what, what better way to celebrate almost a year of marriage than to try to beat Bye. each other? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do every day, so. The game that I have come up with to pitch you against each other, uh, I call True, True Truths and, and a Goof. goof. So I'm going to say three Oscar-related things. One of them is not true. Two of them are true. And I have a tiebreaker just in case you tie. Mm. Truth. I... <laughs> gonna win <laughs> you're losing already <laughs> not you him <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> as we know the little statue given out at academy awards is called the oscar the nickname oscar for that statue is rumored to have been named after i'm gonna say three things one of them's not true do we like buzz in yeah do we have to yell no i'll say all three of them at oh, once okay. okay and then you this can each calm, you right. can each guess okay. all right. <laughs> katie's face <laughs> <laughs> i'll probably yell anyway she wants to win uh it is rumored to have been named after an original academy member's husband husband, an original academy, mem- academy member's uncle, an original academy member's dog's wiener. And, uh, it's not <laughs> named after a wiener? Okay, Daniel's guess is wiener. Um, I'm going to say the fake one is original academy member's husband. Daniel's right. Katie's wrong. Sorry. Mm. I was going to say, should we wait till the end of reveal scores or just tell you right away? It felt too obvious to be <laughs> right, but also... I just assumed no women were original academy members. So somebody's husband... Oh. So somebody's husband was also somebody's uncle, but who's the doctor? They, what? <laughs> Nothing. It's the, like... It's the sexist riddle, I think. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Good or, one. Yes. Oh, the um, riddle itself is sexist, but it's a test. That's funny. Thank you. So Katie's guess was actually really good, both because good instincts, although it was incorrect, still good instincts that there may not have been a woman founding member of the Academy. There actually was, and I'll talk about her. Good. But, um, <laughs> but also another reason that you might think that it was a dog's wiener is because that's at least interesting. And the true story about the story is that it's not at all interesting. It's kind of just like, uh, there's multiple rumors. One person was like, oh yeah, I don't know. Kind of reminded me of my husband. And people were like, okay. And then another person was like, uh, sort of made me think of my uncle. And someone wrote that in a newspaper. I don't know how deep your research went on this, but it's rumored and like no one actually knows why it's called the Oscars. Yeah, no one knows. Oh. Those are the two rumors, but no one actually knows huh. why. It's like it'd be so easy <laughs> to figure out, but no one's right? like, oh, my uncle's name is Oscar. Fine. So the uh, originally Academy member who was actually a lady was an amazing lady named Mary... Mary Pickford. She was known as part of the first Hollywood royalty. The first Hollywood royal couple was Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks. They starred in many movies both together and separately. And Mary Pickford um, was typecast at the time as being like a very demure, like what you would expect Mm -hmm. about women uh, at the time, being just a very like pushover victim character. But it was an interesting duality because outside of the movies, she was actually like an amazing, powerful businesswoman. She was part of the beginning Academy and she also was a founding member of United Artists. From what I could understand, she was like really the 
the main brain behind that more than her husband was. Did you look into how the original Academy came together? Because I know how people become members of it now, but I don't know how it was founded. Uh, I think it was just a bunch of people that were in the film industry and they were just like, let's recognize some outstanding shit. And they just like went to a hotel together and that was the first Oscars. We should do that. <laughs> yeah, start our own. <laughs> Call it the geezers. Or <laughs> Why would it be the geezers, not the Dennis's? She's the first Why cat not? I saw because she's my island. <laughs> More interesting than the Oscar story. <laughs> okay, two troops and a goof. The Oscar statuette is presented to winners with a blank base and engraved later so as not to leak winners ahead of time. Deliberately modeled to look like one of the Academy's Awards founders' uncles, Oscar Pickford. Costs around $900 to make, but is only allowed to be sold if it is sold to the Academy for a dollar. Honk. Uh, that was me uh, <laughs> ringing in, I guess. Honk away. Uh, the second one. I also was going to say the second um, one. I mean, no. I say the same thing. Okay. <laughs> You're both right. All right. Which I talked too much the first time and <laughs> kind of gave it away. I've well, also heard the other two things. Yeah, I've heard the first uh, one. Okay. I didn't know the dollar thing on the other yeah. one. I knew you could only sell it back to the Academy, though. Dollar. Even your, your... I understood, like, if you win one, like, why the fuck are you trying to sell it? Right. But if it's been, like, 50 years and your great-great-grandchild wants to sell it, they can't unless they sell it for a dollar. It's kind of nice because then it, like... Then there's no, like, competition of people trying to, like, sell things and then, like, it becoming this huge commodity for nothing. Probably Keeps it out of the market. That's true. I would be willing to bet there's some in pawn shops somewhere that are just, like contraband yeah let's go find some i bet they're in vegas <laughs> there are some that have disappeared over the years including i'm going to talk about her later or now hattie mcdaniel the first um black person to win an oscar hers she donated to howard university after her death or she like left it to them in her will which is interesting that she was allowed to do that maybe like they made the rule of the whole thing after that they're like hey you can't do that <laughs> but anyway it disappeared in the 70s presumably stolen and has never been seen again so yeah maybe it's in the back of a thrift store for all we know i mean if you're in on hollywood boulevard they sell replicas of them but i'm sure Statistically speaking, on Hollywood Bowl, there's probably a real yeah. one somewhere. That, that seems like such a weird thing to sell. They say, like, best dad on them and stuff. Like, oh. Hollywood Boulevard's overrun with them. I thought you meant, like, they actually, like, looked like, this is Harrison Ford's Oscar. Like, why would you want that? Does he have any Oscars? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know either. I'm going to look it up. What's the next one? I'm curious now. <laughs> that carpet, though. The red carpet for the Academy Awards is specially made for the ceremony every year and is 500 feet long is shipped in pieces in many different trucks to reduce the risk of getting stolen, has to be rolled out days in advance, vacuumed, and covered in protectant plastic. I'm going to say the second one. Katie thinks the second one is the goof. Uh, I'm going to say the first one. Katie is correct. But it is not shipped in pieces. I made that up. I, I don't remember what I thought the second one was, but I thought the first one was a... That was they make it every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They do. And it costs uh, almost $25,000. It's, it's like $2 a square foot or something. That seems reasonable. Where's the old one go? <laughs> I wanted to know that too. I Googled it. Did not come up. Mm. Oh, Harrison Ford has never won an Oscar. He I was nominated so. in 1986 for Witness, and that was it. Hmm. That makes sense to me. Like, he's cool, but I don't know. I've never been like floored by his acting, but... Yeah. It's not about his acting. It's about his ass. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. As we'll discuss later, it's yeah. not really oh, about cool, his acting. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically Harrison Ford. We're discussing later. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, awards numbers. Walt Disney has been nominated for 64 awards. Spike Lee has created over 40 films, but has only won one Oscar out of four nominations. John Williams has 51 Academy Award nominations and five wins. Buzz. 
the second one. Did I answer the second one? Can you read the second one again? Spike Lee has created over 40 films, but has only won one Oscar out of four nominations. I also say the second one. Ding, ding. You're both right. He's never won, right? Yeah. He's never even been nominated. Yeah. This is his first nomination. Yeah, that's why I remember uh, seeing. yeah. Next up, silent films. A silent film won Best Picture in the first Academy Awards. A silent film won Best Picture at the 84th Academy Awards. The only silent films to have been nominated for Oscars are A Quiet Place and Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) 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 The third one. Third one. (laughs) Yeah. I can even name the second one. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, That was... Do it. The <laughs> fuck what? Okay, maybe I can't. <laughs> it's not called fuck what. Maybe well, it's it's silent until the very last scene. Oh my god. The I keep wanting to say disaster artist. That's not it. Then I want to say the majestic. That's not it. Something artist. Did you, what, do you have tell it? Tell me about. I know what it is. Yeah, tell me about. Fuck, no. Okay. No, <laughs> tell right, me about it. I'm right, gonna so guess. New game. New game. It's okay. a silent film that they For made in like the last five six years mm-hmm. it's silent and then it's kind of facing the oncoming sound thing and the reason that this actor the reason that like he is hesitant about becoming a star is because he's french and there's a dog in it and at the end it's revealed that the guy has a french accent and then the credits roll mm-hmm. what the Weird. fuck is that movie called i've never seen it but it's called the great is it something artist mm, kind of the artistic <laughs> have i that seen this close. movie i think we watched it together kind of sounds familiar i don't know though it's just the artist the artist <laughs> the something artist <laughs> mm, that doesn't sound like i've seen it <laughs> are we tied still we are right no I'm um, I'm katie is is currently ahead mm. sorry <laughs> so the first first silent film that won best picture was called wings and it was like a war historical pick which are often favored as oscar faves check out <laughs> other follow-up trivia which you i think you both knew which is that quiet place and silence of the lambs are not silent movies um but i thought it was ironic that quiet place was nominated for sound editing hmm. it's almost a silent movie but not quite doesn't have like monster noises i haven't seen it i haven't seen it either oh, okay i want to see it sorry someone doesn't well. do spooky movies <laughs> Oh, yeah. And speaking of spooky movies, Silence of the Lambs is the only horror movie to have ever won Best Picture. That's I have fact. seen that movie, and that is a that is a good fucked up film. All right. Next, Two Troops and a Goof. Most right. awards by gender. Clint Eastwood is the male actor with the most Oscars, with a total of four. Catherine Hepburn is the actress with the most Oscars, with a total of four. I mistitled this category. <laughs> The next one is the only animal to ever win an Oscar was Popcorn Delights, who played Seabiscuit in Seabiscuit, which is not a gender. I accidentally (laughs) titled the section gender because I was going to do gender and I didn't. Clint Eastwood, most four. Catherine Hepburn, born, most four. Popcorn Delights. So the the third one is if a horse got an Oscar. (laughs) I'm going to say that one. It seems plot. plot. I bet I know what it is, but I'm going to go on for Oscar because I don't know what category that would be. Say the first one. Interesting choice. Daniel is correct. (laughs) Sorry, Katie. (laughs) I feel like this was the same situation as the first one where I just didn't want. I don't know. I don't know. I have a a lot of issues. I thought the fake one was going to be the second one just based on like the quantity and how oscars don't really mm. seem to respect women mm-hmm. and to get four oscars you have to be in the game well i guess you can get them all in one year but to like get four oscars it seems like you would have to be in the game a long time and hollywood is not forgiving to women who age mm-hmm. so to get four oscars over a period of time seems impossible due to the upsetting turnover mm-hmm. so clint eastwood uh 
yeah, it does seem like kind of low. And he didn't get uh, his Oscars, I think, until later in his career. And I don't think he got any for acting. They were for directing, I believe. Um, and then with Catherine Hepburn, she got them all and kind of like in the same decade or so, I think. Um, and I think one of the reasons why she might have gotten more is because she was like not having it. She said that acting that work itself was the only prize that she wanted. So mm. she didn't want a trophy. So she didn't go to any of the ceremonies. So I feel like they might have kept nominating her to be like, and making her win to be like, come on, come get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just keep trying. And then it came for her other three when she got the fourth one. She's like, <laughs> yeah. fine, I'll come to your party. Because they loved her. The, yeah. the Academy she was loved like her. A... Oh, she was actually nominated 12 times and won four. She finally went to an Oscar ceremony for the first time in 1974 um, and she wore like gardening clothes. Yes. <laughs> she didn't dress up at all. An idol. Which, I love yeah. when people do that. Show. I love it's it. so good. It's like black tie invite. Someone shows up in a red suit. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. There's always somebody doing it at the Grammys. On the other side of that, Clint Eastwood, before he won his Oscars, said that he never would win an Oscar because he wasn't Jewish. He then said he also didn't care because he didn't give a fuck. He collected every award. He's so cool. <laughs> Apparently, his directing style is very much a, like similar to Rick Rubin's production style, where he just kind of like directs by feel, and the first take is usually fine. Mm. So, like, it's it's kind of raw, and that winds up being appealing to some people, but it also just seems lazy. Like, he doesn't know what he's actually doing. Mm, I don't think so. There's a couple directors that do that, and I totally agree with that. I do think it's generally more raw, but I think it takes a truly more talented actor to be able to be giving the same thing every time and, like, getting it that way. So I would say if if it's a little le- uh, more hacky on the part of anyone, it's probably the actor. If they're able to do something really good the first time and then can't repeat yeah. it, then it's probably more on them than the director. So you're now tied. Heck. <laughs> Two more and then a tiebreaker if needed. All right. So there's a long list of criteria that films must meet in order to be eligible for nomination. These are them. The film has to have opened in Los Angeles, California. The film has to have played for at least a week in Los Angeles, California. The film has to say, we love Los Angeles, California, somewhere in its credits roll. Buzz, the third one. <laughs> Daniel says third one. I also... So say the third one. Yay! <laughs> Ty continues. I well, I mean, I learned something just now then because I thought it was just like a theatrical release. I didn't think it mattered if it was in LA or not. Mm-hmm. But then the second one gave way to the first one being true. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. Uh, it has to have opened in LA. Like it has to open there. It doesn't have to open only there, but it has to open. Usually they'll open like in LA, New York, and yeah. some other place that matters. Um, and then it has to play uh, it for a week in Los Angeles, hmm. at least a week. I think that's, uh, you know, actually that does sound familiar because I think that came up in the disaster artist, like Tommy Wiseau renting a theater in LA to get it Oscar buzz, but mm. also it was the room, so <laughs> it mm-hmm. wasn't really going to get Oscar buzz. I can't wait to see Tommy Wiseau's two newest movies. Oh, the fiend ones? Best friends that for some reason the R is in parentheses. Because then if it's not there, it's fiend, best fiend. Do you think that's why? Yes. Oh. I know that's why. <laughs> oh, okay. And also, he just announced a shark movie. Yeah, Ooh. and then a shark movie. <laughs> Sounds. Um, so, the Academy demographics. So, the demographics of the actual people who are doing the voting. Only Academy Award nominees may sit on the Academy panel, panel <laughs> and vote for future winners. It's my favorite Van Halen song. <laughs> that's for like two people. <laughs> In 2012, the Academy panel was 94% white and 77% male. More than 50% of Academy panel members are over the age of 60. So that's only nominees can be on there. Uh, 94% white, 77% male. 
more than 50% are over age 60? I'm going to say the first one. I'm going to take a swing and say the second one. Uh, maybe before 2012, but no, actually in 2012, the Academy panel was 94% white and 77% male. Damn it. Uh, Katie is correct. Mm. Isn't the thing where to become a new nominee, you have to be, or a new Academy member, you have to be nominated though? Mm-mm. Oh. No. Nope. Well. You can, um, you can be, people can just be like, hey, my friend is cool. Someone who's like already in the panel. I want to be cool. Yeah. Mm. You have to have friends in the biz. But no, actually, nowadays you probably can't because you're a white male. So, because they now, um, since Oscar is so white, which was 2015 and 2016, when they had no nominations for people of color in most of the categories, I think they had a couple like technical nominations, but no actors. Uh, Since then, they have like deliberately taken steps to invite like 300% more women and um, people of color. Cool. So now they probably would reject you. (laughs) Fine. Uh, but the other two are true. I mean, the other one is true. They f- over fifty percent of them are over the age of sixty still, I believe. Gross. Um, but yeah, that that first thing. Shit, I think I lost them. I still wonder what's the tiebreaker. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Katie's ahead by one right now. I just like playing games. Well, what we'll if- just say Katie won. Yeah, Katie won. I just I still want to do the tiebreaker just <laughs> okay. to do it. The tiebreaker is um, the 2017 Oscar menu by Wolfgang Puck included, and I'm gonna name some things. One of them was not part of the menu. Okay. Lobster corn dogs, <laughs> quinoa stuffed bell peppers, smoked salmon in the shape of Oscar statuettes, and gold dusted popcorn. The third one. I'm gonna say lobster corn dogs. You're both wrong. So fudge. <laughs> there really were lobster corn dogs. There really was gold dusted popcorn. There really was smoked salmon in the shape of Oscar statuettes. There wasn't quinoa <laughs> stuffed bell peppers. Oh, I made it. that up. I thought that might be it, but also like putting fish in a shape seemed just like not Wolfgang Puck because he's like a legit fancy ass chef. Yeah, also, and I saw pictures of him and they looked like very silly. (laughs) Yeah, you should look it up. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I imagine that somebody's job was to take slices of salmon and there might be a press for it, but maybe scissors and just cut them in shapes. Oh, oh, like the thing where you fold it over each other and like do paper dolls and then cut (laughs) it? Yeah. How does salmon work? I don't (laughs) think salmon are big enough for that. That's tuna. But yeah, the, I mean, there are such things as meat scissors. That could have been what they did. See? <laughs> <laughs> I got God. I don't believe in mini scissors, and I've been proven wrong. Anyway, Katie won. Yeah. I told you I'd Some win. Some sort of fanfare here. Look, I was fanfare. destined to win. The bag has cats on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. Some, ooh, cool cats. Magnetic bookmark. A belching beaver brewery peanut butter milk stout. If you mix it with like a like a good berry cider, you're gonna give yourself like a peanut butter jelly situation. Oh no. yeah, it's. I have had a stout that was peanut butter and jelly. It was gross, but that I mean, mixing with a cider with a stout that is a really good thing. That Ew. like a uh, chocolate cider with a raspberry stout oh is God. delicious. I don't like stouts, so I guess it doesn't matter what you mix it with. I'm still not gonna <laughs> like it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you can mix it with the trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So game, game finished. Now we're gonna talk about why our awards shows. Period. <laughs> uh, they're silly. So like the whole process of winning, um, it's basically uh, a lot about p- having parties and lunches and dinners, um, and having the money to do screeners and ads and promos. And like like you were saying, Tommy Wiseau so, like rented out a theater. He had the money for some reason to like rent out a theater to try to get that buzz. Um, all that stuff's really silly. Also, they spend um, a lot of money on these. Uh, in 2016, the Academy spent $44 million <laughs> on the Academy Awards. 
in quotes and related activities the, just the nominees luncheon which i don't even know like that's just a luncheon where they like are trying to get trying to get buzz or something cost two hundred sixty thousand dollars the oscars official after party cost 1.8 million dollars and the sunday live show which is the thing that like we actually watch it costs between 21 and 22 million dollars damn so, um so there's that <laughs> You uh, mentioned the Adam Ruins Everything, Adam Ruins Hollywood episode mm-hmm. of his show. Mm-hmm. And I did watch that. It was kind of a lot of the stuff w- of what I thought. But I also think there is, with Tommy Wiseau, he dumped a fuck ton of money into making the room and getting all this stuff. But also his movie was trash. Uh, I think having the money to back up your art is annoying. And that's what a lot of like getting nominated is. But yes. also, then it still has to be good. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's definitely some stuff that probably shouldn't be nominated for something, but, mm-hmm. you know, it made enough people happy or it's something that they've heard of. And that's also something I've heard a lot about the Grammys is people will vote for whatever they've heard of or they've heard. That's usually what wind up winning music was. They, everyone in the panel um, receives, pretty sure they all receive the screeners. So they actually are sent either DVDs or like files of the movies so that oh, yeah. they can see them all. But they don't necessarily have they don't have to watch right i mean on the podcast never not funny the uh co-host on it matt belknap is technically has a grammy because he produced Patton oswalt's most recent comedy album he won a grammy for and he is now a member of the academy but he even uh wait the grammy the grammy academy yes the grammat but he's even said like they send you everything e-files and give you care packages and stuff but he doesn't listen to everything yeah. It's like a time of day thing. And yeah. I I mean, I'm not a huge movie person. So I think the t- time commitment of doing everything, even part of the Academy, is just so daunting. <laughs> <laughs> I watched two movies this That's weekend. That seems like my whole weekend's gone. <laughs> That's why they should make me a member because I would watch every single one. Do it. <laughs> also, I just watch like three movies in a day. I don't think I have the time to watch a movie. It's not the time. It's the commitment to watch a movie a week. So just some more facts about the award shows. Um, as I said earlier, uh, more than there's more than 8,000 voting members uh, for the 17 branches of the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences. What sciences are they doing? I don't know. Uh, they named it that back in 1927. I think maybe they mean like... Well, would you... I mean, production? I, like lighting and like... Lighting, would yeah. You, I, there's some math involved in lighting if you really want to get into it. Actually, I can guess based on my Hollywood in America history class, which is that when the... Um, the early history of film was very much science related, particularly the movie theater. Be a projectionist and show films, you had to be a scientist and not at all an arti- artist because there was a very high risk of fires and explosions. The and you had to you had to like know chemistry because the stuff that they used to make film and make the projector involved chemistry. So maybe that's why it's sciences. Sure. <laughs> you definitely needed that in the beginning to not die. Or kill a bunch of people. That's my guess. Let's not Google it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> I agree with me. Uh, so there's 17 branches. Um, they can only nominate within their branch. So like only writers can nominate writers and only directors can nominate directors, which I think is cool. I don't know. That makes sense to me. It'd be really silly if like a makeup person was in charge of deciding who's the best director. I don't know. Wouldn't make sense to me. Makes you like think about your peers and who might be outdoing you. Well, I think if you, if it like wasn't limited, it would be way too overwhelming. Yeah. Paddington's nominated for everything. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> It'll come up again. Yeah, that'll be a whole thing. <laughs> and so then the process of nominating, um, I think it makes sense. But I guess because of the fact that it has been over 90% white and over 70% male, 
um, this ended up causing the Oscars so white thing in 2015 2016 the process of uh choosing films they choose so like instead of just saying this one is the best one they rank them Mm -hmm. so they are given all of the nominations and then or even before just to choose the nominations they're given like everyone who can even be nominated and they pick like their top 10 or whatever Mm -hmm. and so those are the ones that make it through everyone's top 10s and then after that, they, like, eliminate them based on who was, like, ranked like the, the order, highest. Yeah. yeah. And you have to get, like, more than 50% to even get nominated. And then they repeat the whole thing again to see who's going to actually win. You have to get over 50%. Did they loosen this up in the past few years? That's why there's so many more nominations now? Yeah. So they loosened that up because, I don't know, somehow that was resulting in white males a lot. Because people, I mean, white males were ranking white male nominees higher than any other nominees more consistently they they invited more new panel members after 2016 than they've ever invited including like 329 percent more women than they had previously had um and then same thing with people of color just to like try to get more get more diverse voting in so that's good if you're a member like do you have to vote that's a good question i don't know I would imagine not. I, there's so many people in the academy. I'm sure some people just don't do it. Yeah, or... it seems unlikely that 100% of over 8,000 people are voting every time. And but then yeah. even if that kind of plays into less, you know, representation because the people that potentially are there are like, well, it doesn't matter if I vote anyways mm-hmm. type of thing. So then totally. they don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of awards in general, I think we all feel kind of the same way about them is they're kind of silly. Mm-hmm. And it gets so complicated with having people vote on their peers, especially in a society that ha- that like predominantly rewards white men mm-hmm. and when you're gathering a small population together to nominate another small population it just it gets so complicated oh yeah so another thing that they did to increase um diversity was that oh it just started last year so it used to be that once you were once you became a member of the panel you were a member for life which is partially why there's so many people that are over the age of 60 since last year membership is only for 10 years mm-hmm. and you can renew if you're still involved in the field of motion pictures that's good mm-hmm. i like that makes total sense because you can you imagine how many like old dudes are on there who like haven't touched a film but they care yeah <laughs> tallying up the votes for the academy is so involved and intense that the entire process has been outsourced um to accountants at pricewaterhousecoopers one word mm-hmm. for over 80 years and the i think it's the, it's been around for 92 years so these are professional counters i was gonna actually do more research on price waterhouse coopers but i forgot but i feel like they're like a big rich company i bet they don't have to do anything else around. yeah that's like all they do once a year all right here we go guys we have to count eight thousand things and then also in the past year uh the academy vowed to add three more governor seats to be occupied by men or women of color uh as well as adding more diverse mem- members to its executive and board committees so I don't even know what that means because I, I mean I guess the, so there's like a uh, there's the academy and there's like the regular people and then there's executive members and governors I didn't look into that but mm. apparently some Multiple people have more do they get like bigger votes it seems like it like huh. otherwise why would you have governors <laughs> in your panel I don't know what, what are they means. governing I, I don't know the votes multiple governors <laughs> yeah because the governor's plural ball right is, is there a president yes they do have a president currently it's john bailey a white man who has been the president and he looks like he's over the age of 60 classic (laughs) who's been the president since 2017 oh the previous president was a woman cheryl boone uh so getting into hashtag oscar so white have you guys heard about hashtag Hashtag oscar Oscar so white yeah it's it's honestly the only thing i remember from that 
particular year of the yeah, Oscars. Same. I gotta remember who won or anything. I just remember the justified uh, outrage that followed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. It was a it was a hashtag for 2015 and 2016 when there was a big outcry because, like I said, there were no nominations for a single person of color in any acting category in 2015 and 2016. 2017 had a mild improvement with seven actors of color nominated, which matched the high. Uh, out of all the years it's been around 2007 was the highest with seven and then followed by 2017 with another seven wow. which is insane and i'm assuming how many better? categories are there sometimes they have less or more categories sometimes the categories so are but different. we can kind of roughly estimate 24 times five plus five that's a lot of nominees yeah since the academy began celebrating excellence in film in 1927 fewer than 200 black creatives have been nominated across all categories out of a total possible slots that they could have been nominated for is around 10,000 and less than 200 <sighs> So, yeah. Uh, at 2019, there is a record 15 black nominees out of 212. <laughs> still so, not great, It's guys. still not great, but record-breaking. Um, well, actually, it's not quite record-breaking because it's still the second most. So, apparently, in 2016, there were 18 nominees, in, just not in acting categories. Oh, I see. So, that's the total total. Mm-hmm. Yikes. I'm going to read. I'm just going to read some some facts Halle Berry is the only black woman to have ever won best actress in a leading role which I thought was insane like of all the great black actresses there are there's only been one uh Lupita Nyong'o who has Kenyan heritage was the first black African uh, actress to be nominated or to win an Oscar in any category so the first like actually she's Kenyan her parents were Kenyan uh, as opposed to an African American mm-hmm. she still is an African American but and then in 2018 Mary J Blige was the first black woman to be nominated in multiple categories in the same year so when they are black women are nominated there it's often in only in one category and then go ahead what movie was she in uh, Mudbound. Oh, I don't know what that I is. I never heard of it either. I, I know of her as a singer, but I didn't know if she acted. Uh, and then the director of the same movie, Dee Rees, who directed Mudbound, was the first black woman to be nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay um, in the same year, last year, 2018. Octavia Spencer was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for The Shape of Water, making her the first black actress to follow up a win with additional nominations. So in previous times when a black actress has won, or yeah, black actress has won something, they haven't ever been nominated again. So that's... Uh, is um, is there like rules about, um, like is this like an American thing or is it like a worldwide thing? I know they nominate foreign films, but like to be in the academy like do you have to be american or this kind of answers your question katie yes uh in my (laughs) in my notes 2017 marked the biggest number of new academy members ever admitted that was after the oscar so white scandal with 774 new members from 57 countries so no so yeah so they can be from other countries and it was uh, 2017 was the most diverse class in the Academy's history, meaning the most diverse group of people admitted that year. Out of these new members, women made up 39% of them and 30% were people of color, which still seems really low. Out of 774, only 39% were women and only 30% were people of color. I don't know about that. Same year, Greta Gerwig is only the fifth woman to ever be nominated for Best Director. That's insane. Gross. And for Lady Bird. Also, I know. <laughs> and for not a very good... I mean, I guess even if I didn't... Because uh, there can be films that I don't like and still have good directing 
So I, I don't really know what I think about the directing. I find myself just not thinking about directing, really. I feel like that is a hard... I think a lot of it... I mean, a director definitely has a say in editing, but I think a lot of it goes into editing and then just, like, the acting roles. And I don't personally hold directors on a high pedestal. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of don't care who directs something. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the director because some people do have, like, a either a hands-off approach or a very collaborative mm-hmm. approach. Like well, like, Spike Lee famously calls his films joints. He prefers to call them a joint instead of a film because he says that it's a collaborative process. And, it, yeah, the emphasis shouldn't be just on the director which it for some reason is but i feel like it's hard to say it just depends on the director yeah. who if they have their or really their hands are in there or mm-hmm. they're just like i'm just making sure everyone's good well and i think it depends too because you can think of like specific directors where like if you've seen multiple of their movies you can tell but mm-hmm. then that also kind of goes into like well do they have a part in writing these movies or not? Because I think especially if you're writing and directing your own movies, you can definitely like sense a theme or like stylistically through them. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what a director really does. I Yeah, I sort of couldn't either just because each director is different. Yeah. And in, in in like how hands-on they are. Mm-hmm. So then it seems kind of weird to like award a prize for that when it's just such a like (laughs) unique and like objective experience. I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense when it makes sense. And with like Lady Bird, that is one time where I'd be like, what would like good directing look like? Because it definitely is something that the like the things that stand out are the acting. And the thing that's like loudest is probably the writing. And it's not something that has like a loud director's voice where there are other movies. Like I would say Black Panther is something where the directing does stand out. Like the choices that Ryan Coogler made for that for a Marvel superhero movie are really clear. Like, oh, that was a director's choice. So I think the movies where it matters, then you're like, oh, yeah, it mattered who directed that. The person made choices or clint eastwood too he like clearly has a has a style a director i know has a style of their own is like edgar wright yeah like you could see an edgar wright movie from a mile away mm-hmm. like a tarantino yeah yes long cut bottle episodes yeah but yeah i think people who probably deserve best director or a nomination are people like that who you like you like oh i know their work because they have a clear mark on it oh also so greta gerwig is the first fifth women <laughs> the first woman you want to take it from the top <laughs> yeah you should hear the, the the shit I cut out of my Far Beyond Metal intros so Greta Gerwig is only the fifth woman ever to be nominated and only one woman has ever won best director who was it totally insane I didn't write it down uh, I was gonna ask like, am, it t- am I terrible because I don't know hey Siri who woman won Oscar <laughs> No, that's not what I want. What's it saying? This is a fantastic woman one. That... <laughs> that's a movie. Oh. And it won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language. Catherine so... Bigelow is the first I and the only name. woman. Oh, that sounds familiar. She won for The Hurt Locker in 2009. I forgot that was directed by that's her. Right. Yeah, it's a war movie and they love war movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, war movies and historical movies are a big phase among the I elderly the white Hurt males. I Locker was like a boxing movie, like Million Dollar Baby. No. I clearly haven't seen it. I want to say it's Pacific or not Pacific Storm, uh, Desert Storm movie. If I am wrong, please uh, send your tweets to at Domino's. <laughs> They'll yeah. fix anything. Exactly. <laughs> They'll fix this podcast. Now, this is kind of interesting now that I'm on this Wikipedia. We'll see. The article is Academy Award for Best Director. Okay. And then mm-hmm. it says Academy Award for Best Director, current recipient. And then it says like. Del Toro. Yeah. But it says, like, it was first awarded in this year, blah, blah, blah. But it's currently held by this person. And so then it's going to change. And so they're just, like, the whole, the recipient for the year. Interesting. I never thought of it that way. So, like, if they were to actually follow through with that kind of wording, 
Guillermo del Toro would have to hand off his Oscar exactly. to whoever wins this year. Yeah, yeah. That would be cute. Like a cumulative it. award. One of those like trophies where they like write everybody. Oh, it's everybody. like it's like the Stanley Cup. The Stanley yeah. Cup from hockey. Everyone it's the same cup every yeah. year. That would and be cool. everyone on the team gets to hold the cup for like a week or something. Yeah. And then it passes on the next team. I'm into that. Maybe not maybe not having to share one, but having like everyone's names on it, I think that'd be yeah. cute. Also I thought I thought that you were gonna say for the period that they won whatever best director, they have to be referred by that the whole time like sir like you have to say sir Mia Kellen you have to say best director Guillermo del Toro every time you say his name I do that <laughs> Jordan Peele um, is the only the fifth person of color to ever be nominated for Get Out or to ever be nominated for best director sorry and he was nominated for Get Out and I believe won right I don't I know hope he won. I don't know what year was it what year was last it year. last year no del Toro yeah no the Shape of Water Guillermo won. del Toro won for Shape of Water best director yeah that's what she just pulled up yeah yeah maybe it won best picture no Get best Out? picture was uh, also Shape of Water I remember because it was the one time I was excited because it was when I saw. Shape of Water was not that good. It was I good. love Shape of it Water. It was really good, but it wasn't good enough to win two Oscars. Because that was like the year of Movie Pass for us, so we saw a lot of the yeah. Best Picture noms. Mm-hmm. Oh, Movie Pass. Oh, I yeah. Know, R.I.P. It was nominated oh, no, for did. a lot. Uh, Get Out. Okay, so Get Out was nominated for four awards and it won for Best Original Screenplay, which it deserved. I haven't seen it, but. It's on my very long list of movies to watch. It's good. It's a good one. It's got laughs. It's got scares. Yeah, actually, I'm really, like, impressed. That might not be the right word, but, like, a little surprised, pleasantly surprised by the turn Jordan Peele's had, because I used to watch him on Mad TV, and his... Jordan Peele was on Mad TV? Jordan Jordan Peele and... uh, Keegan Michael Key both star on Mad TV, oh, I had no and idea. Mad TV is the bottom of the barrel of late night comedy. It's trash. Like yeah. it does not age well at all, mm-hmm. except for one character who went on to uh, Key and Peele, who's just like uh, I think the gym teacher, some version of that one up on the show. The teacher that always says people's names wrong. Yeah, oh. that was. I think part of that was came from Mad TV, and I think it's great that he's become this like big shit Hollywood director in horror, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Because no one else from Mad TV has done anything of note, really. So facts, not even fun, just facts. <laughs> More facts. No woman of color has ever been nominated for Best Director, and no person of color has ever won. In 2015, oh. people of color made up only 8% of total Academy membership. That number has now jumped to 13%. Didn't we just say Guillermo del Toro won? He's a Mexican dude. Well, this yeah, this article was I from have a, um, 2017, so it might have well, predated. I, mean, he I won don't know. 18, then. In 2005, Ang Lee won for Brokeback Mountain, and in 2012 for The Life of Pi, and he is Taiwanese. So I think that this article okay. may have meant black people. He did. This article Not does say he. Oh, okay. That's all people fair. of color. <laughs> um, he was the first non-white person to win the award, and there's definitely not a black person that has one gotcha i think that's what they meant by person of color which i think i think of a person as color as being non-white but sometimes it does i have seen asian people excluded from person of color frequently in these sort of lists he was the first one to win that was not white in 2005 that is crazy i don't know english director broke my mind yeah i also again don't really think about directors so a really good movie. I guess it wasn't that I, I so I watched a YouTube video where they were talking about people of color and nominations and they must have not said that it didn't win but they were saying that the panel was resistant to that movie winning anything because they were homophobic. They like made some comments about we we liked it. I mean it was okay, but we can't ever let a homosexual <laughs> but then it did win so i guess someone overwrote them that's still impressive for 2005 yeah that's insane 
So also, Del Toro won this last year, but he was not the first Mexican director to be nominated. That was in... It was Alejandro G. And I'm not even going to pretend. But he directed Birdman and The Revenant. Inarito? Oh, do you mean Birdman and The Unfortunate whatever? Oh, The Revenant, yeah. He won won two years in a row. um, And he was the first Mexican to be nominated. Those were back-to-back, weren't they? The first Mexican director to be nominated, and that was in 2014. That's so interesting. They must have felt like they were really progressive right about that time. And then they were like, why are people getting mad at us? We just nominated and made a Mexican win. (laughs) What an interesting... Interesting. And then since then, Del Toro won for Shape of Water. I am happy he won. He's amazing. But I do think that Get Out was superior to Shape of Water. Something that we may or may not talk about in a bit um, with Oscars and Grammys and all these things people are often given like legacy awards whether or not it's their best award like yeah. the year Beck won best album he was up against Beyonce people were furious Vocally, but was it this was this the year of Lemonade because Lemonade is the one album that stands out from all her other albums in, uh, so as I'm far told as I know. I, the, what I've heard from it sounds just like Beyonce but the year Beck won that's not his best album Mm, yeah that's bullshit but then. he's never won for like an album so it was given to that's him that's weird also after the fact he definitely should have already won one I would say for sea change but morning phase is sea change part two uh, I think Guillermo del Toro winning last year is years of fucking up yes which is probably what's gonna happen with Spike Lee this year oh yeah for sure Black Klansman fucking amazing movie not his best movie I don't think it's the only Spike Lee movie I've seen but Sorry, he should have <laughs> uh, I'm gonna look him up now there's a lot of Google. Like he should have won for Do the Right Thing, absolutely. Uh, or Malcolm X. And I, I don't know. It'd be it'd be fine if he won for this because it's a very good film. But it's just like one of those things where it's like he should already have some. Yeah, also. totally. <laughs> uh, I I want I would like him to win for that film or something just to see a if he goes b what his speech is. Yeah. Because after getting stubbed for 25, 30 Seriously. years or whatever, what's he gonna say? Don't play him off, orchestra. Mm-mm. So Black Klansman is nominated for film editing uh, for original score, uh, which it, it has a fucking amazing score. So it'd be cool if it won that one. And for best picture and for adapted screenplay. So it's got quite a few nods, nom nom nods. Adapted mean it, it was like written for another something and became this. It means what was it, yeah, it before? Was it a comic? It's a, it's a book. It's a book. Oh, the, I didn't know that. So it's a it based a on memoir. a true story. Yeah. Based on a true story. Uh, the memoir of the, of the Ron dude. Ron Stallworth. Yep. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I didn't know that. My bad. And you've seen it? Yes. Okay, cool. It was great. Yeah. Stats. So this is from, I'm just going to read this whole thing. Uh, It is from an article by Tambi Obenson, who is a filmmaker and writer who writes a lot about black people in Hollywood and film. Spike Lee is the only is only the sixth black filmmaker to receive a Best Director nomination, and he would be the first to win the category, first black person to win the category. He's also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Picture. Eight films directed by black people have been nominated for Best Picture ever. This year is a record-breaking year with two films by black directors. Uh, Black Panther and Black Klansman. Uh, that's Ryan Coogler and uh, Spike Lee. Likely. Only two films have one who had a black director, 12 Years a Slave and Moonlight. Hannah Beachler from Black Panther is the first ever black designer to receive a Best Production Design nomination. Peter Ramsey of Spider-Man Into the Universe, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Universe the, of Spiders. <laughs> Into the Universe of Spiders is the first black director to be nominated in the animated feature category. Terrence Blanchard is nominated. Blanchard is nominated for Best Original Score with Black Klansman. 
The only black composer to win that category was Herbie Hancock, who received the Oscar in 1986 for Round Midnight. Ruth Carter, who is nominated for Best Costume Design, is one of two black people to ever be nominated for that category since the Academy created the category for the 1949 awards. Yikes. <laughs> Carter was previously also nominated for Malcolm X and Amistad. If Black Panther wins, she would be the first black person to win costume design. If All the Stars wins the Best Original Song for Black Panther, SZA, who performs the track with Kendrick Lamar, would be the first black woman to win the category in over 30 years. Her predecessor was Irene Cara, who won Best Original Song in 83 for Flashdance. I love Flashdance. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I don't think I have either. Tell us about you, it, Katie. <laughs> you've seen the, like, you I know know the, the scene. I know the, the scene. scene. Yeah. I mean, that's all I know. It's just a fun, like, 80s movie. Is it one of those fun 80s movies that actually has, like, a secret super, or not even secret, just like a super dark subplot you're forgetting about, like, all 80s movies? Probably. <laughs> um, so, the last fact from this article is a total of 11 black producers have received Best Picture nominations, and this year marks the first time a black producer received a second nomination. Uh, Jordan Peele, who produced Get Out, he also produced Black Landsman. Yay! Yeah. One black producer has ever won, Steve McQueen, who had a producer credit on 12 Years a Slave. So first, I want to know what you thought of Binding the Gap, but first, um, tell me about The Favorite, because I tried to watch it, and it's not available on uh, instant streaming, so. It's interesting. I don't get it. Daniel didn't like it. Um, I thought it was interesting. And then it lost me literally in the last scene. Yeah, like the third act is really weird, and like, but then Spo like spoilers for the favorite. What happens in the third act in the last scene? Do you know what it's about? Um, no. Okay. Not other than the Amazon description of it. Well, let's spoil the shit out of this. All right. <laughs> so there's a queen, and her like right hand woman is uh. Sorry. Her right hand woman, some like person in the court. And they're actually just fucking. And then... Just fucking? So that she's not doing any work? They're no, just she's, she's kind of... The right-hand woman's basically controlling everything. Um, and the queen's like a puppet. And the queen's super sick. And throughout the movie, she gets more and more sick. It's not explicitly stated, but I'm pretty sure it's like diabetes based on her symptoms. Mm. Um, and then Emma Stone comes along and she is a nothing but then the queen takes a liking to her and then she starts pushing the other girl out and her becomes, right hand woman. Yeah. Who's, becomes the who favorite. Plays her? Rachel Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Um, she becomes the favorite mm -hmm. and they start fucking. Mm -hmm. And then it's basically like Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone going back and forth, trying to be in power despite not being the, they're just because the queen's the puppet and the queen um, has a lot of rabbits and <laughs> we she says that, that off like a random fact. no no she says it offhanded <laughs> but it comes down in the last scene that's really well, fucking so important. it turns out the rabbits are like surrogates for like 13 or something children that she miscarried oh. and she doesn't have any kids and she's not married um There's and like no next heir or anything and then in the last scene like emma stone is the favorite at the time but she she like gets caught is kind of a the game. bitch yeah. yeah and she uh like the rabbits are hopping around and she like steps on a rabbit not like she just like squishes it a little bit so it starts making noise mm -hmm. and then the very last scene 
is like the queen is making Emma Stone go down on her. But oh wait, she's having her go down her in that scene. I thought she was like holding her hair and making her do something. She's work. either going down on that. her or like fingering her or something. So she's definitely getting something going. All and right, I'm pretty sure. But the queen's not reacting like that's happening. I don't. I think that's what was happening. But then, as it's happening, it's just kind of like Emma Stone's face becomes like juxtaposed with the queen's face, which then becomes juxtaposed, and it's like you know. Uh, There's three levels of filters going yeah, on. It, yeah. It's With the two rabbits. of them on top, but then the rabbit one becomes the what? the scene, so, and then wait, credits start. It's one of those movies where it's like the whole movie. You're like, okay, I'm following the story, and yeah, then, then the very end, end is like, like surprise, we're an art film. What the fuck? That's like, um, I think it's called Enemy Enemy or something. It was a um, Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Jake Gyllenhaal movie that was a little bit confusing throughout. And it was like, what's happening here? There's like two people that are identical. That's kind of weird. But whatever, I'm following the story. And then at the very end, one of them is suddenly a giant spider. <laughs> what? What did I miss? It's nominated for Best Picture. That and everyone really in it one. is nominated for everything. Yeah, else. I well, wouldn't nominate it for Best Picture. One if thing, we've learned anything, we know that white males love their lesbians. That's true. Here is something about it that uh, Katie pointed out to me. Is there are men in it. They don't fucking matter. None of them. I can't remember a single man's name in it. I mean, I can't really remember any of their names, but right after the movie, like none of the men in the movie matter. Nice. They they kind of play traditional roles in the things that they're supposed to be doing, like in this society that they've made, like, oh, they're gonna married off and they're gonna get put kind of royalty. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, like sure they get dignitary. Yeah, exactly. Like, they get married, but also the she's still fucking the queen, so Yeah. <laughs> I did fun. appreciate that. Yeah. It was all I like I would watch it again. I wouldn't say I loved it. I would definitely like I'm interested enough to watch it again. Um what did you think of Minding the Gap? I thought Minding the Gap was a really interesting movie that uh, one thing that I've noticed with documentaries is they start off about one thing and then they end about something else and that's just kind of a a good formula for a documentary. I agree. Um I part of me felt like this movie could have been shown to the people in it and they could have learned a lesson about their lives and that could have just been like the extent of what this movie is yeah totally like it making it a wide release does kind of like give you this inside look on these people's lives but for me i felt dirty watching parts of it i felt like i forget so intimate yeah and i forget their names but there was the three three male uh that the movie followed around yeah and the white dude who's just sucks yes who in the end just still sucked Mm -hmm. yeah i felt like he had the most to gain from the film and Mm -hmm. but he didn't learn anything instead he did his whole rant on the hill where he basically said sometimes you have to smack a bitch and Mm -hmm. i believe that's a quote yes it is and the director of the film kind of needed closure with his mother yeah and then the the third guy seem to just shake it all off and wind up in the best position at the end of the movie he had a whole new life and here yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i felt like the director needed the movie for his own emotions yes but i wish the other guy would have learned something yeah and that'd be nice. like i said i felt kind of like these are huge <laughs> family issues that require therapy and to be peeking in on it just made me un- a little uncomfortable but i also thought it was a really beneficial thing to be put out there because mm-hmm. like how they 
all react to what is a normal life that they live in a world of like abuse Mm -hmm. and it's just normal yeah and how for some of them they realize that's not okay and all the the other guy doesn't so uh, i thought it was a good documentary and um but just like i couldn't get over the fact that i felt like i should be watching it interesting yeah i guess that doesn't bother me i feel like we live in the age of voyeurism where we get to watch people's intimate lives and their instagram stories and snapchat stories anyway but I can understand where you're coming from because a lot of times documentaries are about bigger stories and like a lot of times they're about stories that people already know a little bit, like at least have some idea of and usually aren't as intimate as this is because the uh, cinematographer and director, Bing Lu, is best friends with these people. So these are, it's like, yeah, it's like if you just started filming your best friend's intimate lives as you were hanging out with them, it's an extremely intimate portrait of these these male friendships which was i think what makes it stand out so much because like otherwise we don't see we don't have any depiction of that in hollywood when it started i related to it a lot their like party like lifestyle that they had when they were in their early 20s just reminds me when i was in my early 20s and we were all fucking up to some degree and then people who got out of it were better off and people who didn't are still kind of in that shitty space and that part also kind of hit me hard but i mean without diving too deep into it down like my family tree there is definitely like spousal abuse and not like my parents so i'm gonna go and put mm-hmm. that out there now it's a generation up on one of the sides mm-hmm. i'll go and say it's my mom's sides because my grandfather's a piece of shit and i've only ever met him once and i just like fuck his dogs. yeah fuck that dude uh but his mom's reaction to just kind of sticking with her guy is like a common thing and i heard my yes. grandma tell me about it but mm-hmm. i don't know so maybe there's also that and making me uncomfortable because it's got real so mm-hmm. uh it was cool not cool that's not the word i want <laughs> uh it was it was well made and i i would recommend it it's not an easy watch but yeah. also like i kind of love skateboarding like <laughs> yeah. it's something i played tony hawk by car- like every like the first eight games i played and beat and I can never skateboard. I could watch oh, people. Same. I could watch people skateboard all fucking day. <laughs> Me too. I and love watching it, and I love the Tony Hawk series. They're some of my favorite video game series, and I've never. I have set foot on a skateboard. I haven't moved on one. I stood on a skateboard once, and I fell on my ass immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that. And far. that's my experience with skateboards. <laughs> uh, but I, I sent you this in a, a message or a text or something that was just like, "Minding the gap taught me how easy it is to break a skateboard." Well, okay, so I had a question about that because there's a whole scene where Cure is trying to break the skateboard of this guy who's being a fucking dick. Is that and it takes him forever to break it. Is that so, the same what kid? makes you think. Yeah, that's Cure. Oh, it is? Yeah. How long it, was this kid filming? Uh, he, yeah, he, I mean, he'd been filming since he was like fucking 10. It's is not all like in the, there, um, but he filmed from like age 10 to like 25. What's that fucking Ethan Hawke movie where. About a boy? Yeah, where it's filmed or, for like 12 yeah. years. Is this like the same thing? Kind of. Because I didn't think that was the same kid. Where he's jumping not on the board, but yeah. he's too like he's, he's not like heavy enough to break it. Mm-hmm. He's a little baby. He's like thirteen or something. Oh, there. okay, that kind of changes a lot because then he gets really good at breaking boards. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's never been because I've never actually skated. I've never <laughs> broken a board. And in Tony Hawk, when your board breaks, it just magically forms again, and you skate off like nothing happened. Yeah. But so you were just bothered that that didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Why were things? Where, where's Spider Man? Where's the magic? If you go left down, hit A, and you do the nine hundred, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think it says at the beginning of the movie that like this was oh maybe it's maybe it's just a trailer. It's like this is a ten year period film, 
filmed over 10 years or something. Wow. But it starts when they're like little little punks. I didn't really notice the time thing until the end thing where it shows you like where everybody is in life and they show their like progression. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't realize that the very beginning was them as like children. Where does this, where does the director have the camera? Like he just always has the camera? What yeah. Uh, there's some shots where you can see him. He, and he often is on a skateboard himself, which I'm like so impressed by to imagine. Oh, that made the shots really cool. Wow skateboarding is so scary but it's like a special rig where you like hold it like on your side mm-hmm. it's got a, a handle at the top and so you just are just like skating along and holding and it also has this thing camera. on it where it keeps it level the whole mm-hmm. time because otherwise it's fucking shaking and looks really yeah but yeah it's it's <laughs> such a it's my favorite documentary of 2018 and it's it's really interesting because it seems like it's just about some punk skateboarding and then it ends up being about toxic masculinity and abuse and a and a in-depth insight into american boys and american male friendships i think it's a super important film and i really hope that it wins a uh, documentary feature despite the fact that the only other documentary feature i've seen on the list is rbg <laughs> did you like that yeah it was good um it was it definitely was a 100% positive depiction of her. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know that no one is perfect, so there's no way that she could be as perfect as they make her out to be. So that's my only, like, beef about it is that I wish they'd gone a little bit into, like, mistakes she might have made. Or I'm sure she's made mistakes. Everyone I mean, does. She, she initially was against some same-sex deal and backed off on mm. that. And, I mean, so was Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. But they cover that in Mr. Rogers. Yeah, it should be touched on. Like, Was that last year? Mr. Rogers? Yeah. It was two years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, last, it was this it was year. Last year. We saw it last year. At the yeah, varsity. it didn't get nominated. Oh, I loved huh. that movie. But I mean, that was just I like loved Mr. Rogers. That was just like an hour and a half. Of how great this guy is, except for that one thing. But also, he had good intentions apparently. So no, yeah. also it talked about his like issues with race too. Yeah, I would say that was a more well-rounded documentary than RBG is. Even though I really enjoyed RBG just because she's a fascinating person and I didn't know anything about her at all, unlike Mr. Rogers, who I knew a lot about. So I thought it was really interesting, but I definitely I hope it doesn't win. That's one of the ones like there's about three or four movies that I haven't seen that were nominated that I wanted to see. And that's one of them. It's good. And I believe it's on Hulu for, cool. free, for freezies. Uh, one of the documentaries that I have no interest in seeing because it's just like there's a whole like genre of documentaries that I just am annoyed by. And that's free solo mm. where it's just like, what the heck is that? It's, it's just white. Climbing one. It's just like this oh. white guy who wants to climb no. the most dangerous thing. Okay. And I hate people who want to climb mountains yeah. anyway. So, <laughs> so that, I already hate it. That's what free solo is. Um, one of the documentaries I was looking at earlier and I'm going to, I think it was a fathers and sons. Maybe there's one where, no, that can't be it just by name. One of the documentaries I really should have done better research. is just like somebody who, uh, is like no fuck it is it hail country this morning this evening or there's the short ones on the topic of mountain climbing though do you guys know that um fucking mount everest is like just covered in dead bodies and shit oh it's for sure like trash poop mountain yeah and And the entire like communities below it exactly are like toxic Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they're like dying because there's too much white people shit in their water yeah it's gross it's ridiculous just because they want to climb a mountain and prove they can and then go back to their like apartment in West Hollywood or whatever. That's not fair. I'm sure they're not from West Hollywood. I'm sure they're from somewhere else in Los Angeles. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it was indeed of fathers and sons. Uh, mm. Talal Dur- Durki returns to his homeland where he gains the trust of a radical Islamist family, sharing the family's daily life through the lens of his camera provides an extremely rare insight into w- what it means to grow up in an Islamic uh caliphate 
That sounds really interesting. I know. And like, I really want to watch that one. And just based on what it's about, I'm like, I kind of want that to win. Oh, really? Because it seems like something that you're not going to get again. Yeah. I would still say, because that sounds really interesting and it could be really well made, even though I haven't seen it, I still, even if it's like, oh my God, this is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, I still want Money the Gap to win because it's American and I feel like I want as many American boys as possible to see Money in the Gap Mm -hmm. and to see like that portrayal of masculinity and to see the friendships and to see like what it's like to speak up against your friends. Like there's that one kid where he's like speaking up against his friend who's saying, but I'm white and I've been prosecuted against. And oh, yeah, that was interesting. There's this other white kid who was like, dude, no, like shutting him down. Yeah, you've had a hard life, but it's not the fucking same thing. And like to see what that looks like and to see like the redemption arcs of well not even a redemption because Kier was never a bad person but um i feel like there could be some moments of introspection for people to see zach who's the asshole who abuses his girlfriend and then excuses it and clearly doesn't change to this day because like i follow all of them on instagram he's still the same dude (laughs) okay um to see to have maybe some self-awareness of seeing like oh shit i'm like that guy and he's clearly not the good guy in the story not that he's demonized at all it's just an honest portrayal and uh, that honest portrayal shows that he's a dick yeah i I just think that's like really important for especially because i feel like we're in a you know a masculinity crisis right now i I feel like it's it's really important we're also in a, a crisis of like racism against islam and people of middle eastern descent i just think that's going to be less important to people right now than their own lives which finding the gap is about american boys sure i, I forget did you guys watch roma no no i thought about doing that this weekend but i never got around to it <laughs> i thought about watching it no i i found it on netflix and yeah. then i think it's a netflix I, original yeah that's where i was like oh it's, that's interesting i think it's one of the first netflix originals nominated believe because netflix only started doing original films in the past two years right i wouldn't be surprised if it's the first i mean it's also the same year as buster but that's also netflix oh yeah so ballad of buster scruggs was kind of crap it kind of seemed like it could be it's a coen thing right yeah it's coen brothers who i love but it's a world i like to look at but i get like bored like an hour in like even lebowski i just Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think, think they're old movies still hold up, but um, Buster Scruggs kind of om- almost sound like a fan, felt like a fan film. Like someone was like a fan of Coen Brothers and tried to make a Coen Brothers film. Like it felt like a caricature of the Coen Brothers. It's like vignettes, right? Short. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, yeah. So that part it, seems cool to me. Yeah. It was hit or miss. Like two of them were good. One of them was really good and the rest of them were kind of crap. Tom Waits is one of them, though. He's the main <laughs> character. That was one of the better ones. So it's like it's like short stories, but a movie. Yeah, I'm yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> like, I hate short stories. It's if it like helps, wa- it's like watching a a show in twenty minute episodes. Yeah, but here's the thing: the the <laughs> song nominated is "When a Cowboy Trays His Spurs yeah. for Wings." It's supposed to be comedy, and I don't want that. Well. <laughs> Um, did you guys see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? Yes. Yay. Can we talk about, let's let's do this. Let's talk about the animated movies because this yes. is where I have opinions. Agreed. Uh, I, I, I agree. I know the opinion that you have. I don't know if that counts as an animated movie, but let's dive in anyway. <laughs> Actually, I've been thinking about this for the last several minutes about where <laughs> I think so it should be. And I think it would have to be visual effects. But mm-hmm. I think that the reason is that they can't nominate two movies with a bear in it. <laughs> so for your listeners what we're alluding to is paddington 2 should win all the awards 
Oh. Paddington 2 is an amazing movie. That came out last year? It yep. did. It came out last January. Feels like it was longer ago. We went to it for our Wait, first date. Wait, if it came out in January, I don't think it was eligible. No, it came out in 2018. But January. So it came out right before the 2018 Oscars. Oh, so are we mad the about Oscars nothing? Oscars for 2017. Well, it, it was nominated for Golden Globe, so that's kind of where I... Oh, for that's this year? That's true, yeah, yes. it is. Oh, okay. So I that's why I was like, if it can be nominated for a Golden Globe, I kind of thought they ran on the same track. I could be they wrong, do. but... Yeah. Oh, then then Paddington was not born. Wow, Paddington 2 is 100% around to me. Yes, it Paddington does. Paddington 2 is a fucking great movie. <laughs> it's a... I... Here's... Okay. We sound like crazy people because we're the crazy bear people, but Let's it's also just, a great movie. <laughs> I just have to put this qualifier on it. Like, I love children's movies. I love bears. I love Paddington specifically from my childhood, but Paddington and Paddington 2 are quality movies for any person. They are hilarious and wholesome and beautiful, and they make me cry every time. I've cried maybe five times watching films. This is one of them. Actually, this is two of them because I cried even the second time knowing I was about to cry. Okay, but let's talk about animated feature films because... I don't think it would be an animated movie because it's just Paddington. So I think it would be visual effects like Christopher Robin was. In mm-hmm. which case, I have to give it to Christopher Robin because there was more visual things. And yeah. it That's was true. it was just Paddington who looked amazing because the hairs on Paddington took fucking forever and He's looked great. He's a beautiful great, angel. But also there's Tigger, there's Piglet, there's Pooh. Um, I'm going to say that Paddington should have been on Best Picture instead of Green Book. Neither of which I've seen, but Green Book is bullshit. So. Paddington? Is because it doesn't make sense for best animated and doesn't make sense for best visual effects. So best picture. Cool, love it. <laughs> it, it, um, it was, nomination. Not so I, I only didn't watch Mirai. Yeah, I've never. I don't Mirai. know. Yeah, is. I couldn't find that. Anywhere. I don't know what it is. It's a uh, like Daniel was saying. It, it looks like it's Miyazaki, but it's not. Oh, it's okay. an animated Japanese film. Don't know a thing about it. Couldn't find it. Um, I was underwhelmed by Isle of Dogs. Yeah. I did not like it i gave it a four out of ten um i i think it's interesting that two of them are sequels and one was a significantly stronger sequel though i liked both of them which one was stronger incredibles yeah 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 i liked i i mean i really like wreck it ralph and i liked the second one too uh but incredibles was definitely stronger of these four films that we've seen, I'd give it to Into the Spider-Verse, yes. though. Yes, absolutely. For Not sure. only was in Into the Spider-Verse the superior animated feature film, it could be best picture. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Like, the closest thing I've seen before was probably Scott Pilgrim mm. in terms of, like, tone and editing and just, like, visual overload that didn't, like, hurt me. Yeah, being groundbreaking without being like, um, what's the word? Like cliche or hacky. It wasn't hacky. It wasn't jarring. It was like the perfect middle area. Mm -hmm. And it made me like want only Spider-Man movies in this Spider-Verse. I don't give Mm -hmm. a shit about Andrew Garfield or (laughs) Holland or McGuire anymore. I've been waiting for a Miles Morales movie for as long as Spider-Man movies have been around. Donald Glover for Spider-Man. Um... (laughs) So keep that alive. I'm kind of like very anti superhero movies at this point mm-hmm. in general, but I saw it and it was great. Yep. Because it's different and it's like unique, but it also has like deeper meanings than just being a superhero movie mm-hmm. and it feels fresh for the genre. Very fresh. Certified fresh. <laughs> Bye. 
bring your own popcorn. And actually, as I'm looking at our list here, um, I've seen four out of the five nominees for animated, music, original score, and visual effects. I will be honest, I don't remember music from movies. So <laughs> For as much as a music guy as I am, I kind of don't either. I mean, I remember Mary Poppins because it's a musical. Because of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I remember Black Panther's music. I liked it. I like. don't remember Black Klansman's music. Oh, really? And I don't, I don't remember either. Isle of Dogs music. I imagine it sounded like every other Wes Anderson's. Yeah, oh, oh, Isle of Dogs movie uh, music was crap. I mean, the whole movie wasn't very good. Uh, oh, yeah, I even wrote here, score felt old. It sounded, yeah, it sounded like recycled. It was like, did you just cobble together soundtracks from your previous movies? No offense to the composer, I'm sorry, but like you were clearly trying to sound like a Wes Anderson movie, and it showed. Sorry. I think for best music, I think it'd be really cool if uh, Black Panther won just because of the composer in it. His arc would be amazing. Who? Uh, I think his name's Ludwig G something. I don't. Oh yeah, yeah. Swedish yeah. guy. Yeah. He uh, initially got his start on Community when he met Donald Glover and started oh. producing all the music for Childish Gambino. Mm -hmm. So like, this is America is him. He That's made the music amazing. for that. And then for his arc going from staying with Gambino because he's also his live guitarist to then getting an Oscar for score would be great. Yeah, I hope he wins. Definitely out of these nominees. Uh, except for if Beale Street could talk because I haven't seen that so I can't talk. <laughs> uh, that's probably very Nolan's jazz because I think that that's what Beale Street is. But uh, isn't it... I thought it takes place in the 90s. You can sell jazz. They love the jazz in Nolan. In the, in the 90s? Yeah, it's all it's just suit suit right stuff. Um, however, coming back to Katie's thing about paying attention to music, I think in scores, there are two types of music that I actually notice. There's the John Williams <laughs> fucking sweeping giant orchestras, mm -hmm. and there's the Atticus Ross, Trent Reznor, which is like Gone Girl. Mm -hmm. And those are the two speeds that I recognize. Everything else is just kind of background stuff, and I guess that's what it's for. Oh, no, I super, I notice every, I notice every time. I just for the first time recently watched No Country for Old Men and I didn't know there was no music and that made me acutely aware of the fact that there was no music but it didn't make me pay attention to music still <laughs> like in future movies I don't remember most of it what like, about what about her do you guys remember the music from her I remember so the song that they sing together. Yeah, I remember that. Oh. And that's it. To me, there's like some, uh, I think, I feel like probably most of my favorite movies are partially my favorite because of the music. So like Her is one of the ones where I felt like the cinematography and the editing and the acting all came together with the music to create this like robust, dynamic, joint experience. And to me, the music was like huge part of that. They could have fucked up the movie to use the wrong music for that. It's a really unique soundtrack created by Arcade Fire. That's like um, I very interesting. I would say the movies that I have strong feelings about the music are movies where I already had strong feelings about the subject to begin with. Like, I remember if you play me a Star Wars song, I could probably <laughs> tell you the scene. Like, Harry Potter music, Lord of the Rings music. So John Williams? Yeah. I don't, I don't know who did Lord of the Rings. Was that also John Williams? That was John Williams. Um,. But it's like those things that were already nostalgic for me before they were a movie. And then the music. Wait, what? Yeah, you're. Like, like the books. I already just like loved the books. Of Star Wars the books. 
No, whatever. <laughs> I'm talking Indiana specifically Jones about like there are Indiana Jones books. Um, they probably came out after the movies though. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but like the Harry Potter books, and then the movies came out, and then because I already was so invested in it, I remember the music. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, nope. Outside of my two speeds that I said there are sound or scores, because that's different than a soundtrack for sure. Soundtrack, I'm all over because that's just, you know, popular music set to editing. Mm -hmm. See Baby Driver. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm, That was a good one. But Amelie is another one that I would Mm -hmm. put in its Mm -hmm. its own category. But then I can't think of anything else like that (laughs) when it's just like quiet, tinkly piano. Yeah. And then the whole movie is the visual equivalent of that where it's just twee as fuck. Uh, well, I think John Williams' style of music is that his music is a char- an active character mm-hmm. in the film, and so you remember it. Whereas other, like her, it's not a it's a, it's an interactive component. It's not a character. It's not trying to override what you're saying, but it's trying to specifically enhance the scene and like intertwine into it. Whereas John Williams is not trying to intertwine. He's trying to be a voice in the scene. Mm-hmm. It's like a fourth character. Yeah, and which is why people remember it more. Yeah. He knows how to write like a, a good like 10 second melody that then reprises over and over. <laughs> I'll love him forever. I don't care. That's why he has. Oh, it's right here. That's why he has 51 Academy Award nominations and five wins. He's the second. He has the second most nominations after Walt Disney. Walt has the nominations. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Well, he I has mean, the most back nominations alive. and the most wins. Yeah. Like he's not nominated for things now. No, he's not, not alive. Okay. Just seemed high even when he was alive. Sixty-four nominations at twenty-six wins. Cool. I'm not a Disney fan. I know. <laughs> so I'm not a fan <laughs> of that statistic. I was looking at uh, supporting actor and supporting role, and I've only seen Black Klansman. I thought Adam Driver was great in that. Yeah. I can't really speak for. I mean, Sam Elliott is the same guy in everything, so he yeah, can. Yeah, I was you like so a confused. Star is born? Yes, uh, but I was so confused by Sam Elliott being nominated for supporting actor in that movie. He's barely in it. He'll probably win because of the legacy act. He's just Sam Elliott. Like, he's great. I love him. I love everything he does. He doesn't need an award for it. Sorry. He's just... Is he playing the character he was at the end of Lebowski where he has, like, a wise, like, yeah. little bow? Yeah, he's just... The, wait, have you guys seen it? No. A Star is oh. Born? No, I really don't want to. Okay, well, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was, like, a solid eight, maybe a high eight. Um, I didn't like the ending, but it's the same ending that all the movies have had. Like, I know everything about it because it's been made like six times. Right. Uh, Sam Elliott. So the so it's a, it's a man and a woman who fall in love and the man is a successful singer and the woman is not yet a singer. And she breaks into the business via their love, basically, because he supports her and gets her on stage and gets her a career, basically. Um, and Sam Elliott plays the brother of the successful uh, male singer who is an alcoholic and the brother's role is to like take care of him when he passes out in his own vomit hmm. for he's been doing it his entire career until um what's the name of the actor bradley cooper bradley cooper, <laughs> bradley cooper. <laughs> he he uh, punches sam Elliott in the face at which point sam Elliott's like little brother you're on your own now and he walks away <laughs> And that's his whole thing. Like, you see him in that scene where he's like, I can't do this anymore. He like, There's one scene where he puts him in the bed, pass out, wasted. And then there's a scene where he gets punched. That's his entire role. 
I don't know why he was nominated. For a uh, short film, I've only seen short film animated. I've only seen one of them. Mm. We touched on it earlier. Bow. Bow is crazy. Yeah. And I love it. I was like super not into Bow at the beginning of the short. And I was like, what's happening? I don't understand. And then at the end, I was so into mm-hmm. it. But I wanted it to end before it did. Oh. Oh, if it would have ended when she ate him That's and that was I it, wanted. credits. She just shoves him in his mouth, the end. That would have been classic. <laughs> but that's not most people's opinion nah. on how things should end. <laughs> I thought it was just hilarious. I did too. Uh, director, I think, and I... I think Spike Lee's going to win, but it's going to be more of a legacy thing. Yeah. But again, I don't really pay attention. I don't think a lot about directing. I feel like I noticed the directing in The Favorite. Maybe it's just that scene at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, I really liked Black Klansman. Yeah, I did like it a lot. I want it to win things. I do think out of the... It's not his best film, but out of the ones nominated, I would guess that he should win for Black Klansman, for sure. I just kind of expected to be nominated for lead role. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I loved Adam Driver, and I think he should also be nominated. But yeah, I actually didn't notice that he was nominated for supporting, and yet John David Washington was not nominated yeah. for them. That makes no fucking sense, especially nominating Bradley Cooper and Viggo Mortensen over John David Washington for leading role is fucking absurd. Uh, leading role is all white boys, isn't it? Yes. Cool. Uh, Rami is not. Except Rami. He's not white. He's white passing, but he's not actually white. Yeah. Isn't Bradley Cooper just doing a Sam Elliott for his role anyway? No, he's no, he's like an uh, alcoholic who's like borderline emotionally abusive, who um, is like suffering from toxic masculinity and depression, who um, victimizes himself. So that's very different than Sam Elliott. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, we need another movie like that. I think I um. Did, wait, sorry. I, I just want to ask one question about. Uh, does Lady Gaga then fill the role of a higher, like, like lightly more elevated uh, pixie dream girl in this role? No, no, because because she helps him find himself. But I ultimately know. He, spoiler, she he kills himself. She doesn't help him find himself. Okay, good. So no. Okay. <laughs> I was not gonna watch that movie. <laughs> oh, mean, you didn't know that? No, no, that's just like yeah. Yeah. But there's zero reason for me to be interested in that movie. I like Lady Gaga a lot as a, like, I think she has a great voice. And that's about the only thing that movie has going for it. Shallow's going to win. No, it's a good fun. movie. Uh, yeah, Shallow's probably going to win. I don't think it should, but it probably will. Yeah. Um, it's a good movie. I actually don't like Lady Gaga, uh, primarily from, like, watching her documentary. She's really annoying and not a good person, in my opinion. Everyone else is a Lady Gaga fan, so when they watch the movie, they're, they were like, she's so great. She's like, so I just real. like her voice. I don't really know she much about her. She has a great, her. amazing voice. Absolutely. Her voice is amazing. But I don't really care about her music, and as a person, she seems not very cool. But her acting is also great. Oh, Acting and voice, great. You know, I'd say it's worth seeing, but yeah, he dies at the end. Spoilers. I just don't. They're also just playing like country music the whole time. Yeah, I don't love Bradley no, Cooper. Thank you. I, I like the hate music. country music. <laughs> I wouldn't call it country music. It's like, it's sappy rock. It's not country. Country's different. Country's about your dog and your girlfriend left you and it's like, that's not how it, that's not what the soundtrack is like at all. It's only like sap pop rock. Sap pop. Sap pop. Like you've heard Shallow, right? Would you nope. consider that country? Honestly, no. Uh, nope. Wait, you haven't even heard it? No. Oh. I just know the hype behind it and the fact that she closes her shows. Behind- I did it's not like, know that was the name of a it's song. It's like a Broadway rock song, basically. So I like it because I like Broadway. 
Oh, speaking of like Broadway rock stuff, I I think it's interesting that Bohemian Rhapsody's been nominated for so many things because I hear it's just like a popcorn docu or uh, biopic that actually is wildly inaccurate. Yeah, I heard. It. Yeah, I heard it wasn't very good. That sounds like my jam. <laughs> so I mean, if you wanted to hear like Queen music, that's fine too. Cool. Yeah. But uh, it makes me it makes me think of the uh, upcoming David Bowie biopic there's going to be where there's not going to be any Bowie movie uh, music in it and oh. it makes me think of the Jimi Hendrix one the that fuck? has already come and gone I'll wow. watch a Bowie one have yeah. you seen a like a David Bowie movie where he is acting in it I've only seen Labyrinth oh yeah and his his penis is all the acting in that no I haven't fell to earth I'm not uh-uh. he's straight up naked cool cool pretty sure I mean then did you get an Oscar for that the Im- mm, doubt it the imagination's then not needed because you get to see what is already outlined very nicely in Labyrinth his penis i don't want to see a star is born i apparently green book's bad uh bohemian rhapsody i think is probably a little overinflated for what it is yeah, yeah. i want to see it but i don't think it's best picture absolutely not it looks fine out of the three i've seen i vote black Klansman. So do I. yeah it's like black or um black panther is nominated for best picture mm-hmm. that'd be cool if it won uh then it also breaks a lot of ground because i don't think a superhero movies won anything like that Probably uh, the closest would probably be Dark Knight, but I don't think it did. I want of those nominees, I want Black Klansman, but I think it's going to be Roma. Yeah, I'd be okay with Roma, but I think it should be Black Klansman because Roma was really good. I think Roma needs to win um, cinematography for sure. Also, I know there was this whole thing in the last couple of weeks about <laughs> some of the categories not being aired and people being mad about it. They changed their mind. But yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. But real talk, no one cares about sound mixing. Sound mixing, yes, but cinematography was one of the ones they cut, which is ridiculous. What's the there's difference no fucking movie without a cinematography? So I, I'm like not super. I, there's just movies that I want to win, and I'm not like h- hard sold on which categories, except for animated feature film. Spider Man Into the Spider Verse needs to win animated feature film. If it doesn't, I'll be mad. Other than that, I need Black Klansman to win something. I need Black Panther to win something. I need Roma to win something. Um, I think those are the only ones that I'm really enthusiastic about. I kind of need A Star is Born to not win anything. <laughs> it's good, but it's just one of those, it's like a, what do you call it? Oscar baiting. It's like yeah, one of those yeah. Oscar baiting oh, movies. Oh, for sure. It's really good, but it's not Academy good by my uh, qualifiers, not by the actual Academy, which is a bunch of old white men. I would want to give a supporting actor to Donald Glover for his portrayal of Lando. I thought oh. that was done really well. Oh, he Heck nailed yeah. it. That was great. Yeah. Let's just start our own Oscars. I mean, Donald that's what Glover they did. for everything. We just Spider-Man, to, Lando, Oscars. If we want to start our own academy, we just need to rent out a, a hotel lobby mm-hmm. and then just invite all our friends. That's what they did. Cool. Cool. What are we calling it? Uh, Name it after someone's uncle. But then the statues are ladies and it confuses everybody. The no, the statues are cats. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> cats dress as knights. Right, Dennis? She's probably licking her butthole. Denise. She's very dirty all the time. Denise Richard Parker. (laughs) So my last thing is another game. So we're just going to do, you know, the movie trailers ads that are like, this Christmas. Yes. I gave you my heart, the variant. Yeah. No, not wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Don't call me (laughs) ma'am. Best impression of the this Christmas trailer guy. Wait, so, so right and now. then all of a sudden, at it's the end of us talking, talking, it's just going to be like, this Christmas. <laughs> yes. This, this Christmas. This Christmas. This Christmas. This Christmas. This Christmas. This Christmas.
this Halloween. <laughs> Can and cut. Okay, well, that's been our show. Thanks so much for being on my Oscars special. I don't know what I was about to say. Spouch. <laughs> that's been our show. Thanks so much for being on my Oscar special episode of Bring Your Own Popcorn, Katie and Daniel. That's me. That is also me. Bring, bring your own, own popcorn. popcorn. Bring your own popcorn. Bring, bring, I'm supposed to say it. Bring your own popcorn. Isn't that against the rules? I'm a popcorn frog. I'm a popcorn frog. When she was on steroids for her like eyes, she, she was just, like shut because it makes you like extra thirsty and extra hungry. She's wild. She's a disaster. She's perfect. A broken clearance cap that I love so much. She's probably licking your butthole. Can you tell teaser?